0: You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings.
1: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Good morning, afternoon, or evening. Happy Monday or whatever day you're listening to this podcast. Welcome into Locked On Kings. This is your hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all off-season long, regular season, All year round, if you call yourself a Kings fan, you're in the right place, especially if you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with all the local and national experts. For this offseason, we had uh, draft lottery coverage. We have, of course, the NBA draft that's coming up, free agency after that, summer league. We have it all for you all the way up till training camp and the start of the regular season. So stick around. You are absolutely in the right spot. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm from Sports 1140 KHDK. That's the flagship radio station of the Kings in Sacramento. I work there as an on-air host and a multimedia journalist and reporter, and I get the opportunity to work with a lot of fantastic people, including my guest today on the Locked on Kings podcast, Jay Mars. You hear him on The Drive, which is uh, the morning show on KDK weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. He's along with Kyle Madsen and Carmichael Dave and Jay's been a diehard Kings fan for a long long time has also been in the radio industry for a long long time so he provides some fantastic perspective you've heard him on this podcast before it was a number of months ago midway through the regular season so it's good to have him back we discussed uh, the draft lottery we discussed free agency we discussed uh, the shakeup of teams in the west and in the east and how difficult it's going to be really for the Kings to not only take a playoff spot away from the top eight teams from the west but also keep the teams that were below them, below them still, it's going to be a, a not an easy road to the postseason uh, for the Kings. We discussed all of that. And I really think you're going to enjoy this conversation here today. Before we get to that though, De'Aaron Fox, congratulations to him. He is one of three finalists for the most improved player award, which shouldn't surprise too many people. His competition is D'Angelo Russell of the Brooklyn Nets and Pascal Siakam of of the uh, Toronto Raptors and those names shouldn't surprise anybody as well. I love De'Aaron Fox to death. I am biased. If I had a vote, it would be for De'Aaron Fox. I think he showed massive improvement this year, especially as a passer uh, and a facilitator, which is something that was great to see. Of course, his three-point shot looks so much better as well. You could have also made an argument for Buddy Heald to be in the most improved player conversation, Uh, but I guess out of the two, you can make a great case for either of them. Uh, I'm just happy that one of the two of them got into the finalists. That being said, I don't think... De'Aaron Fox has any chance whatsoever. I think he falls third behind. Both of his uh both players that are his competition. I think D'Angelo Russell's second. Pascal Siakam to me is the above and beyond winner of most improved player. What he's been able to do with the Toronto Raptors, easily becoming the Raptors' second best player uh, behind Kawhi Leonard. And and he's still contributing to a team, the Raptors team that beat the the Milwaukee Bucks last night. So they are now down two to one in the Eastern Conference Finals with game four on their home floor, trying to even up the series and Pascal Siakam is huge to the success of that team. I think he is the most improved player. Uh, he will be the one to win it. And, you know, the fact that De'Aaron Fox made it, uh, to me, is is beyond um, encouraging. It's well, well, well deserved, and I'm glad he's getting that national recognition. Today's show is brought to you by Untuck It. Dads come in all shapes and sizes, and so should their shirts, like tall, short, slim, and relaxed. Ever wonder why your father's button-ups look so long and baggy at the end of the day? It can be hard for guys to pull off that casual untucked look that isn't sloppy. So that's where untuck it comes in. Untuck It is the solution that fits just right. Their shirts are uh, specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. No tucking or tailoring required, so it saves you a bunch of money there. You can go to untuckit.com promo code NBA to get 20% off a great deal and a great get for your fathers on this upcoming Father's Day. We'll take the quick break, then my conversation with Jay Mars here on the Locked on Kings podcast. Happy to be joined in studio on this Monday morning by Jay Mars. You can hear him on Sports 1140 KHDK's The Drive every weekday morning, 6 to 9 a.m. He's part of the crew with Carmichael Dave and Kyle Madsen. Two more names and voices you've heard on this podcast before. And Jay's coming back for a second time with me. Last time we were midway through uh, the Kings regular season. Jay now we're heading into the offseason. We were talking just off uh, off air about how it's weird. The, the Kings haven't played for over a month, so their offseason has has really begun, and they they started it with a splash, hiring Luke Walton, uh, getting Vlade's uh, contract extended. So they didn't waste any time, but we're still in the conference championship rounds of the playoffs. The offseason hasn't even officially started yet, but it feels like the Kings have been away for Way too long already. Yeah, it, it.
1: I was telling you, it felt weird. I'm like, damn, we haven't really just sat down and just talked Kings yeah. for a good six or seven weeks. And you're right, the offseason began early for them. And I always find it weird to discuss offseason basketball during the playoffs. But as each team gets eliminated per round, I start looking at them like, okay, what are they going to do in the offseason? And then I also go, how does this affect the Kings? Yeah. So now, you know, Boston's out. Does that affect the Kings? You know, I look at all the other major teams that have been at Philadelphia is another one. And you start to, when these teams get eliminated, start piecing together how you think the offseason's going to go.
0: So you and I both work in sports talk radio. And, and of course, being in Sacramento, the Kings, the centerpiece here, uh, and we also have fan ties to this team. We don't just cover them and talk right. about them. But one area that is different for us, and it's a good problem to have, uh, and just to pull back the curtain a little bit, is – The draft lottery and the draft itself has been so instrumental for the Sacramento Kings for the last decade plus, really 12, 13 years. That it's we're in kind of uncharted territory for us trying to talk our way through a summer that's not so heavily fixed on the draft lottery and on the draft itself. Now the Kings do have second rounders; they could trade their way into the first round. I think we both expect free agency to be popping in Sacramento uh, this year, or at least at least be very active. But how are you doing mm. from a sports radio perspective, working our way through the fact that you know the draft lottery to the Kings didn't matter all that much?
1: Well, you hit the nail on the head. This is the first time the Kings have not had a lottery pick since 2007 okay they chose Spencer Hawes so that's how long it's been since they haven't had a horse in that race so from sports talk realm and just even let's look outside of sports talk just going to like social media accounts talking on Twitter NBA Twitter it's been kind of weird to have this Kings void for six weeks because normally we're you're either in one of two modes you're either dreading the lottery because you know the Kings have had terrible luck over the years although the last two years they didn't, or you were anxiously awaiting for, all right, which conference final game are they going to do the lottery in? And you're right, it kind of just crept up, and it was like, oh, yeah, there's the draft lottery. And then there was that part of the fan base that was, like, super scared all of a sudden. It just hit them like, oh, wait. The Kings, Boston has their pick at 14, but it could move into the top four. Hey, we're the Kings. Hey, we have the worst look ever. Hey, it's the most Kings thing ever if Boston either moves into the top four or Philly gets it because it went number one. And you start to see, I know, especially on your timeline, a huge part of the fan base that was like so nervous about that. And I'm like, no team has ever moved up from 14 to 1, first of all. yeah, That would be a
0: really weird precedent to set. And literally with 1% odds. 1%. And, I mean, and it's still a possibility, and that's the, the joys of the lottery. And I'm actually – I don't know if I'm in the minority or not. You have to let me know, Jay. I like the lottery system. Yeah. I think it adds a fun flair to it rather than – I mean, teams are outright tanking in football at times to get number one overall, and you just hand it to the worst team. I like there being an element of gambling to it, and I like the changes that they made. The mm-hmm. fact that uh, three teams had equal odds at number one overall, and it was still only what 14 percent or something like yeah, that. Yeah, the, or... the
1: top three teams had a 14 percent chance at the number one pick,
0: and that's crazy to think about. You have the best chance, and it's still four. 18%, meaning 86% chance you're not going to get the number one. And we saw it, right? One, yeah. Only one of the top three teams ended up in the top three. That was the Knicks at three. Both Cleveland and Phoenix plummeted. Yeah. There were two things that I was major paying attention to with this draft lottery, aside from where Zion Williamson was going to go. It was, what is the Kings pick going to be, and, and is it going to go to Boston, and can we finally put that trade to bed? And I'm going to ask you about that trade in just a little bit. Or... All right. And on top of that, it was will finally some young talent. Now that we know this draft isn't super stacked, but one through three, one through four, you can make an argument. A lot of talent there. Yeah, is that going to go to the East or go to the West? And unfortunately, once again, three of the top four teams in the West, Jay.
1: Right, and that was you know transitioning this back into the Kings. That's what like made me you know I don't have any hair. If I had some, pull it out. It's like really. <laughs> The West, of all things, needs to get stronger, right? The two best prospects in the draft have to go to the West. And I don't know if Zion, because I still think Anthony Davis is out this summer. I don't know if Zion propels New Orleans into the playoffs at first, but you know what? You have to look at them now, and they have something to build with again. Right. Because prior to New Orleans landing in this number one spot, we kind of just forgotten about them. Like, dude, New yep. Orleans is going to train Anthony Davis and be irrelevant for how long? Exactly. You know, that was the thing. You can't look at them that way now. Memphis, I still don't think, will be better than the Kings next year, obviously, but they're speeding up their rebuild mm-hmm. by getting a guy like John Morant because now you can trade a Mike Conley and get more assets and feel good about it. Yep. And so the West just got that much deeper. And as a Kings fan, it's like, I almost wonder and I pray they don't have like a knee jerk reaction where they feel they need to make an unnecessary signing or an unnecessary trade to try to speed up their own timeline. Mm -hmm. Because I think their own timeline, given their young prospects, is already moving at a pace far quicker than we thought it would.
0: Before I jump into the next part of that conversation, because you lead into and make some great points, let me ask you specifically, do you think next year is must make it to the playoffs for this Kings team, or do they have time now that they have new coach and still very young core?
1: Well, it's hard to say because you have to keep in mind the context of how we say that, because we don't know how the offseason is going to shake out for these other Western conference teams. Right. You couldn't can the Lakers pull a big free agent. And a big-time trade, because if they do that, they're probably not going to be out of um, the—they're probably going to be in the playoff picture again. You know, do the Clippers sign Kawhi Leonard? That clearly makes them better than the eight seed that they are this year. Right. You know, I don't see the Blazers falling anytime soon. Denver's clearly a team on the rise. Maybe you can get San Antonio to fall out as they age, but again, that's a Greg Popovich team. That's tough to see. They're going to make some adjustments in the offseason. It's really hard for me to say, so I, I'm not trying to dodge the question no, so much right. as I need to see how the offseason shakes out for the remaining teams in the Western Conference, especially those teams out of the top, because in order for the Kings to get in, one of those top eight teams needs to fall. Who's it going to be?
0: No, and Jay, I think that's a brilliant answer because it's not just the top eight that need to fall. It's like the mention the teams that are now biting at the Kings' heels. The fact that the Kings Finished in ninth was a fantastic improvement, and they separated themselves from the pack a little bit, but some teams you also didn't mention. The Phoenix Suns, they still have got DeAndre Ayton. They're going right. to get a decent uh, pick, but they still have Devin Booker. I mean, they have a decent young core there for them to build upon, and the team I'm really terrified of is the Dallas Mavericks. You Luka Doncic, you have Kristaps uh, Porzingis, and who knows what they're going to add to it. Now, they lost their draft pick to the Atlanta Hawks, but that's not a huge deal because they're a free agent destination. The West just continues to get better and better and better, which is why I put so much stock in the fact that the Kings were able to finish ninth this year.
1: Yeah, no, it's a great thing. It's a great thing to build on. And the nice thing, the Kings, they're doing all of this with their own homegrown talent. And because of that, and to get to your earlier point about, you know, are they in a rush to make the playoffs? I don't think the front office would think so. I think the front office continues and wants to just see growth amongst their core four, I agree. who I've pinned to be Marvin Bagley, De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Hield and Harry Giles. Yep. And they want to see that core four progress and get better. Now, if that core four can progress, get better and get them into the playoffs, like man, we're talking about something special. But again, we have to see how the west the rest of these things play play out because the team you brought up, the Phoenix Suns, If the Suns get a really good point guard, not an all-star point guard, but a really solid point guard, that automatically makes that team 10 times better. I agree. That was the big thing with the Suns last year. I mean, it's a lot of young talent, sure, that's not developed yet, but they had nobody running that team. I mean, Devin Booker does well running the point guard, but Devin Booker is much better off the ball. Mm. So if you can get, like, if Phoenix can make a trade for a Mike Conley, we're looking at them in a completely different light than we did, you know, right now on this day. So again, and I think that'll... It's going to be very interesting to see the how the Kings, if they, like I said, they get a knee-jerk reaction and feel they have to offer like a max deal to a Nikola Vucevic to keep up with the Joneses, so to speak. Right. And how they're going to do that. Because we've seen in the past, they don't exactly, they, they can make bad offers. You know, the Zach Levine offer in retrospect, thank God he didn't take that. Right. You know, so again, I just it's going to be very interesting to see how the West shakes out this summer.
0: I'm going to back up all the way to 2015, the summer of 2015, when Vlade Divac made uh, the trade to Philadelphia, basically sending a bunch of players to Philadelphia, taking on a couple contracts of players that we've never heard of and, and exactly. And we'll never uh, hear of. <laughs> yeah, and we'll never hear of. Basically, the, the purpose of the trade was when Vlade took over and that's when the Kings were looking at the opening of the Golden 1 Center and basically wanted to be aggressive in free agency. One of the best things about Vivek uh, buying this team was the fact that he said, now money isn't an obstacle, money isn't an issue, so that gave us hope that they would be active in free agency. And to be fair, they have been much more active in free agency over the past four or five years than they have been in the Maloof era way before things haven't worked out. But the fact that we got names like Rajon Rondo here, the George Hill signing at the time was considered to be an incredible signing for the Kings. Thank God they were able to get that money off their books. And we know how things played out and things didn't work out, but that trade is something that fans and And maybe rightfully so, but have held against Vlade and held against this organization and has really it's handcuffed them as fans for these past few years because that's the one thing they'll consistently constantly point to as, you know, I just can't trust this front office because of crap like this that's still affecting us today. Hallelujah. Congratulations, Jay. We made it through. It's over. That trade is officially done. Now, we'll see who Boston takes at number fourteen overall. And if it turns into a star, then I'm sure some, some group somewhere is still going to be frustrated. We and could upset. have
1: had such and such, and that would have done this it, and that, which is hilarious because there's no guarantee the Kings would have took that person at 14. That Boston's
0: taking at 14. But hindsight is 2020, sure. and there are always going to be people like that. My point is, other than them making it to the playoffs and that pick not being a lottery pick, they were actually two wins away from that being 15, which is uh, technically outside of the lottery. Correct. That went to the Detroit Pistons. Was this the best-case scenario of how everything could have turned out? Oh,
1: God, yeah. No, you can't. Listen, if you're going to surrender a first-round pick, the higher it is, I mean, excuse not higher, higher in number, lower in value it is, the better. Um, I want to go back to what you are saying about 2015, though, because that trade is so interesting because I think a lot of people forget the context surrounding that trade is you had a brand-new general manager, mm-hmm. and I believe the only person on his staff at that point with him was Mike Bratz. Ken Cantonella wasn't here yet. Correct. Um, Obviously, Brandon Williams, the Scott Perrys of the world, none of those guys were here yet. They were very green. Very green. It was a very um, skeleton staff, so to speak, with Mm -hmm. a brand-new GM who is getting, in my mind, I I have never confirmed this with anybody in the front office. My guess, though, is ownerships telling him, hey, we need to compete this year. We need to have a playoff team that is going to take us into the Golden 1 Center, make it happen. So what does a green GM do? He opens up cap space because he doesn't have any assets to trade for
0: players. Yeah, he doesn't give a damn about draft picks at that no. point because he doesn't have a long contract. So he's thinking or 2019, I don't sure. care.
1: And in his mind, he's thinking, okay, we don't have a choice but to be at least a playoff contending team. Right. So... I'm thinking, in their mind, these pick swaps weren't going to mean much because they figured they would probably have a better record than Philadelphia regardless. And that 2019 first-round pick, Vladi's saying this in 2015, well, four years from now, we should be a playoff team, so that shouldn't be a lottery pick. Again, I'm trying to get inside the head of the front office at this point and mm-hmm. what why they're making this trade. And I just remember fans all over my timeline being so happy when he made that trade. I do, too. Oh, Vladdy made this trade? Oh, because they dumped Jason Thompson, who— Kings fans universally panned for good reason. Carl Landry, who by that point was damaged goods, and these pick swaps that we didn't think would matter, and a first-round pick that were like, oh well, we'll be a playoff team at that point. Nick Stauskas too. Yes. Oh, and Nick Stauskas. I am sorry. Sas Castillo, our first-round pick from the year before, who has done wonders in the NBA. Garbage. Sincerely, no one ever. But getting back to that initial point, people were so happy because they thought the Kings were going to go out and sign these free agents. And you saw them. Everybody was so thrilled just to hear the Kings were in the running for a Wes Matthews. Mm -hmm. And they offered him a max deal, which turned out to be, thank God, Wes Matthews saved the Kings from themselves. They didn't take that because, ooh, that would have been bad. Bullet dodged. But um, to wrap it on a bow, in a vacuum, it was a very bad trade. At the time... I think people did not think it was that bad, and like you said, hindsight being twenty twenty, people like to go back and have revisionist history. Right. So, again, glad the trade's over. I don't pan it as bad as a lot of people do, but you know what? It's gone. The Kings now have all their first-round picks. They owe none to anybody. Right. And those are going to be interesting how they decide to use those over the next few years. Are they going to be trade pieces? Are they going to make sure they hold on to those because first round picks are becoming very valuable because you don't want to necessarily trade one and end up like you are in this position and that end up being a lottery pick.
0: And it did take a while, but ultimately they're in a better place now than they were the day they made that trade. So at least they didn't go backwards. I have to pause really quick, let you know that today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Do that and get rewarded. If anybody's pissed off, Jay, about... This how everything has has played out with this draft lottery. It's got to be Boston fans because remember when they saw this pick and knew they had this pick, they were going into the season seeing the Kings projected to be the worst team in the West and thinking we got top five in the bag. We got their chops. We went. I mean, we got Kyrie, we got uh, Al Horford, we got Tatum, we got this young great group already with some stars, and we have a shot at Zion or RJ Barrett. We're doing great. What do you mean it fell to fourteen? Like they this pick. There was a lot of value on this pick that decreased significantly quickly with how well the Kings uh, started playing this season. So I can understand Boston being upset. But again, I go back to the fact that I think, all in all, this was about as good as the Kings could have hoped for for this entire saga situation playing out. And when that Boston logo flashed on that card at 14 I guarantee you Vlade Divac and the rest of that front office in Sacramento were doing laps around their offices with excitement after a quick
1: sigh of relief of course correct but going back to your point about Boston it's funny you mentioned how the fans Bill Simmons spent his entire podcast for the better part of I would say from last summer till the beginning of the season talking about the Celtics have this crazy asset they have the Kings draft pick this year right it's guaranteed top three and I think they viewed that as a trade ship to land Anthony Davis more than anything unless of course it went number two because they'd probably take a John Morant especially given that Kyrie Irving there's a good chance he could leave but again that's whatever at this point that's all spec it doesn't matter but can you really be that mad about a trade ship like that like it's not like it was your pick it was the Kings pick. Yeah. Like, you can't be mad because they performed well, and you don't get the asset to be what you envisioned it to be. You don't get to be mad at that. Like, come on. Um, Celtics, though, ugh, I don't know, man. I just look at this whole scenario as, to put a bow on it, like you said, when you saw Boston's Ogo go 14, great. There's a great chance that 14th pick won't really be much of anything. It's a very top-heavy draft. Let's move on. Let's start building this team through our free agency and trades now. It no longer can have to worry about the past.
0: You've t- uh, had conversations with Dave and Kyle on the drive, Jay, and and you guys have been discussing how uh, the NBA is potentially overtaking the NFL as the, like, the king franchise organization sport uh, in America. And I think it's been going that way for quite a while, and I'm glad people are starting to acknowledge it. The one area that I think the, the NBA definitely has a leg up over the NFL, although the NFL draft is very popular and, mm-hmm. and does get a great a great attention and a great audience every single year, but I think the NBA offseason has passed the NFL offseason by a long shot, and a lot of that has to do with free agency, and I expect this summer to be no different. The fact that the Kings are players is fantastic, but we have where's Kevin Durant going, Kyrie, are they both going to the Knicks? Where is uh, Kawhi Leonard going? Tobias Harris is available, Jimmy Butt there is just so much drama attached to free agency this year that I can't help uh, but be excited about it. From a Kings perspective, is there a a target or two that's on the top of your wish list? Realistically, I know we'd all say, oh, we'd love to have Kevin Durant in Sacramento. That's oh, he's totally not going to happen. You
1: didn't know he's signing here?
0: Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's
1: a thing. <laughs>
0: <No>. <laughs> I'm in.
1: I'll take it. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny? Not to get on a Kevin Durant-Kings thing because obviously we're being – very tongue-in-cheek here. We're being very sarcastic. That's not a thing. But we had mentioned that on the um, show. Like, you know, it would make some sense for KD. And the YouTube comments, because we live streamed just, I don't want KD on the Kings. That would be a terrible signing. He has a bad attitude. And I'm like, wait, there's actually human beings on this earth who think it'd be a bad thing for the Kings to sign Kevin Durant?
0: <laughs> One of the things I, I always say, and, and I mentioned to my podcast listeners, and I love them to death, and I love our radio listeners to death, but some sports fans that listen to Sports Talk Radio and listen to sports podcasts are just interesting people or yes. just have interesting takes. And God bless them. I'm glad we're able to voice all of our opinions. But who, I mean, you. of course you want Kevin Durant again. Right? Of course you do.
1: Well, again, it's not going to happen, but why would you not? But uh, getting back to your initial question, realistic targets are two guys that I look at that I think would be a good fit for the Kings both from a contract money value standpoint and also just what well, how the team is performing. Yeah. Uh the first one would be Dwayne Dedman. Yep. From Atlanta. Um Dwayne Dedman is a average to good shot blocker. He gives you a rim protector that you've never had. Athletic, rebounds, but also this year started stepping back and shooting the three-pointer. Yeah. And I think with the Kings, the more they can spread that floor, the better that their guy DeAaron Fox will be. You know, they spread the floor really well with him this year, getting more shooters around him. But if you add that fourth shooter that they didn't have with Willie Cauley-Stein, because again, Willie Cauley-Stein had to play around the basket because Willie cauley Stein's not a shooter. I think it opens up De'Aaron Fox even more as a point guard and unlocks another level to him, which can help cannonbolt the team into a different realm. Um, The other one I looked at. I think backup point guard really needs to be addressed. I like what Yogi Ferrell did. I don't think Yogi Ferrell's a bad player at all. he's more of a two. He is. He's more of an undersized two, though. And you kind of want a point guard that can come in, spell De'Aaron Fox, but you also don't want to lose a whole lot. And the guy that sticks out to me is Pat Beverly. Yep. And I look at both of those guys. The Kings have a ton of cap space. You could sign both of those guys to, like, Big two-year deals. Big money deals on short-term, though. Like, you know, is Pat Beverly going to turn down two years and $30 from the Kings? That'd be the biggest payday Pat Beverly ever had. Yeah. Because the idea is you don't—and I'm sure you've heard all the Nikola Vucevic rumors. Right. I wouldn't be mad if the Kings signed Nikola Vucevic. You got a guy coming off an all-star season, would clearly improve the team. But how much money— and how many years do you need to invest in Nikola Vucevic? And you got guys, you got Buddy Heald, who's going to be coming up for an extension this year. Right. Right behind him will be De'Aaron Fox. Bogie. Followed by Bogey, Harry Giles, Marvin Bagley eventually. If you're really committed to those guys as your core, you have to pay those guys. Mm-hmm. And while it's not impossible to do while having other long-term contracts on your books, it does make it very hard because now you're talking about a place which the Kings have never been, the luxury tax. Yep. And we don't know how this ownership group is going to view the luxury tax, how much luxury tax they'll want to pay, how much they're willing to go over uh, for a team that, you know, again, we don't know where the Kings will be projected to be in three years. And you start getting into those conversations and it kind of makes you wonder, is a guy like Nikola Vucevic worth a four-year, $100 million deal?
0: And if I can jump in really sure. quick, because we got a great example of how that can really screw you over with the Washington Wizards this yes. year, right? And that opened a lot of eyes to how important balancing your your checkbook is to mm-hmm. keeping a core together.
1: Yeah. And you got the Wizards, and if people don't know what you're talking about, who basically threw their entire um, salary cap at three guys. Yeah. John Wall signing that huge Supermax deal, which... I think we all knew it was a bad idea before he even signed it. He's going
0: to get paid $40 million yeah. in a year.
1: Right. And guess what? Might not even play. Yeah. And you're still stuck with that contract. Bradley Beal, I think, has earned his money. I don't think anyone's going to argue the Bradley Beal deal was right. fine. But then you get Otto Porter, who they had to overpay just to keep.
0: And then they had to sell him low.
1: And sell him low. And now you're basically like, well, do we got to pay Bobby Portis? Yeah. And again, that's the that's the bad thing. And that really needs to be something that's addressed, I think, in the next uh, CBA. And we're getting way ahead of ourselves there. But again, to your point is, I don't know if ownership is going to be willing to open up their pocketbooks like that. We just don't know. Yeah. And so why commit to a guy like a who, by the way, I think there's some recency bias with Vucevic. He had a really, really good year. He made the all-star team. How much of that is Steve Clifford being his coach? Because as we've seen, Steve Clifford resurrects big man. Yeah. He made Dwight Howard look like a competent big man again in Charlotte. And he took Nikola Vucevic, who the previous two years, he'd been good, Mm -hmm. but not an all-star, clearly, and raised his game. And it makes me wonder, like, is a team going to commit a max contract to Vucevic? What Vucevic are they getting? Have we seen him plateau? Is he going to be able to take the level of production he's had this last year and maintain that over the next two or three seasons? Or is he going to start to regress? And then you're looking at it like, man, we got all this money invested in it okay center. And that's the last place the Kings want to be having a ton of money invested in a guy who's not an all-star level talent.
0: Yeah. Final thing for you, Jay. Thank you so much for taking the time and coming on. De'Aaron Fox, does he have any shot at this most improved player award? I look at D'Angelo Russell ahead of him and I look at Pascal Siakam, who I think it's, I mean, it's, it's Siakam's award to lose. Uh, but I don't see as as great of a season as DeAaron Fox had and you can even make an argument that he wasn't the best player on the Kings this year. Right. Uh, I don't think he has any chance. But no. and that's hard for me to say cuz he played so well.
1: Right. No, and to your point, I don't think he has a chance and that's not a slight on DeAaron by the way. It's just the the jump that Siakam took this year was greater than the jump that DeAaron took. D'Angelo Russell went from being a clown show to an all-star. I agree. Like, and that I think is what's gonna. I think Russell wins the award based upon the fact he had the all-star.
0: Really? You yeah. Think that's my. Gets it over I think Pascal.
1: D'Angelo gets it over Pascal because wow. D'Angelo made the all-star team, mm-hmm. and I think that's when people go to vote. That's what's gonna be in their head because, again, while Siakam had a great jump, there was so much. D'Angelo Russell was such a polarizing figure for all the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. And the leap he made to an all-star this year and leading that Nets team, I think, is what's going to get him. Because he led that Nets team into the playoffs. That's that's no small feat. And I think that's what gets him to the award. Uh, getting back to De'Aaron, it's funny. We were talking about this on the uh, show this morning. And I want to get your opinion on this. Did De'Aaron even take the biggest leap from the Kings, or I don't did think so? Buddy Heald?
0: No, I, and I, I, I think, I think you're 100 percent right there. I, I gave out my regular season awards for the Kings. If I was to give an MVP of the Kings, most improved player of the Kings, and Buddy Heald was above and beyond the guy for me. The jump that he made, the leap that he made. Now he did shoot a good percentage last season, but I look at the conversations we were having at the beginning of the season and how they morphed to the end of the season. We knew De'Aaron Fox was going to be a starter all season long, and we were hoping that he would improve, and to his credit, he's done that. And I think the biggest improvement for De'Aaron Fox wasn't necessarily his shooting, although that got much better. It was his facilitating and his ability to run the offense, because remember, when he first took over as the starting point guard, he was getting embarrassed by guys like John Wall, like on a nightly basis, and he's done, he's leaps and bounds from that point. But when we were coming into this season, we were talking about, is Buddy Heald a perennial six man in the NBA? And is he going to find more than 25 minutes a night? And then he went to, the end of the season we're talking about him as one of the best shooters up there with Damian Lillard, Steph Curry, and Klay Thompson. Right. Like, that's a massive leap that you make in a game that's dominated by three-point shooting today. Buddy Heald, to you me, just was me- above and beyond.
1: And you just mentioned, you put him in that category. Those are three... Not just All-Stars. Those are three guys by the end of their career. We're talking about probably Hall of Famers. Yeah. So that is an amazing leap. And to your point about Buddy is, let's also not forget again, the Kings offered Zach Levine a max deal. Mm-hmm. So I don't even think the Kings expected Buddy Heald to take this leap that Buddy Heald took.
0: Everybody <laughs> thought Buddy Heald was a six-man.
1: Yes. Me, I I have said it multiple times. I'm like, dude, that's his role. Great six, six-man player. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. But no, no one expected Buddy Heald, Put it this way: I think if the All Star break came, or near the All Star break during All Star break voting, or excuse me, All Star game voting, if the Kings were at like a six seed, I think Buddy Hield would have been an All Star.
0: I if, think so. at that point, I, I think, think so. Buddy.
1: I think Buddy Hield would have been voted in as a reserve. I, think I so. really do. So. I think he
0: had a better chance than De'Aaron Fox. Yeah, even for sure. De'Aaron Fox is a sexier name.
1: It is a sexier name, but again, going back to those numbers and what we now the, the names we're associating Buddy Hill with, like the guy's a freaking borderline all-star. Mm-hmm. Hopefully he can make the leap next year, but you know, we'll see.
0: You can hear more of Jay Mars On the Drive, KHDK's morning show weekdays, Monday through Friday, 6 to 9 a.m. Here with Carmichael, Dave, and Kyle Madsen, who you'll hear back on this podcast. I'm sure at some point we'll definitely have Jay back on this podcast, probably when we get to free agency time, Jay, because it's going to be wait. a crazy wild time. But thank you so much for taking the time, man, after the show to uh, record this with me, and we'll uh, we'll do it again soon.
1: I can't wait. Happy to do it. Thanks, Matt.
0: Huge thank you to Jay. So thankful that he was able to uh, take the time. He literally came into my studio immediately following uh, a three-hour show on the drive. That's how dedicated he is to his craft, and he's always so uh, gracious with his time. And very uh, excited uh, to come on this podcast to, to speak with me and, and to be heard uh, by all of you. So if you appreciate him, let him know. You can find him on Twitter. Uh, let me get that that, uh, that Twitter account name for you or that Twitter handle for you. I don't know it off the top of my head, and I'm not prepared. Bad me. Uh, it's at J Marzz. So at J-A-Y with a capital J. M-A-R with a capital M and then two capital Z's at the end. Hit him a follow uh, and let him know you listened to him on the Locked on Kings podcast and and share him some love because he's a fantastic guy uh, and a good one to listen to and follow if you're looking for Kings and just sports content uh, in general. Be sure to check him out. Before we wrap up, I also want to let you know that today's show is brought to you by Grip6 where their goal is to literally make the best belt that's ever been made. Grip6 is an easy, thoughtful gift for dads, brothers, husbands, uncles, grand and even moms and wives, you can check out their women's collection. Uh, it's ultra lightweight with no holes, no flap, and it carries a low profile with the buckle laying flat against the waist, making the belt super comfortable. Grip6 is the only belt with no holes, no flap, and no bulk. Grip6 has an, a special offer for you right now. Grip6.com slash lock. Grip6.com slash L-O-C-K-E. Go and check that out. Another great gift for the, uh, the men or the women in your life, or pick them up for yourself. Comfortable, fantastic. I have a Grip6 belt, and uh, I love every bit of it. Thank you so much to everybody for tuning into the Locked on Kings podcast today. I'm excited to tell you that I will have... None other than Jerry Reynolds, the legendary uh, former head coach of the Sacramento Kings, uh, Indiana native, and of course you've heard him for many, 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 many years working with Grant Napier as a color commentator uh, for the Kings broadcast team. Jerry Reynolds, kind enough to take some time uh, this week. I believe he's going to be stopping by on Wednesday, uh, so you definitely have that to look forward to. Until then, my name is Matt George. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked On Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked
1: On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast.
0: Part of the Locked On
1: Podcast Network, your team every day.